an introduction this week, so I'll just say welcome to Handlepod. This Wednesday evening, it'll be Thursday by the time you hear it, of course, to uh, Peter Cope's living room. Thanks for having me, and apologies if you're listening after last week's and expecting <laughs> uh, Jonathan Wilson or Rupert Bryan, you're numbered with me. We have had one complaint already about Jonathan Wilson's normal lack of involvement in Hunter Pod, we'll get on to that later. Um, and a very special day for our other team member this week, he's playing, as it were, for Hunter Pod on his birthday. Welcome, Andres. Uh, hello and thank you. Well, I am celebrating here, so happy. Happy birthday. Chin chin. Right, without further ado, we're going to get straight on to the... It's not quite breaking anymore, but it's um, certainly the newest news of the day, and it's a theme that we've touched on many times on Hand of Pod. It is Javier Cantero, the Independiente president, who is now Javier Cantero, the ex-Independiente president. That was a very loud click from Peter's right mouse button, I apologise. Um, he stood down today. The battle with the Barra Brava is over, um, from his point of view at least. Uh, I have to confess to having missed most of the fine detail in this one because it happened mostly on Monday and Tuesday when I had to pay more attention to my work for Hong Kong Jockey Club. Um, Andres, have you been following it at all? I really hope you're going to say yes. Happy? Have, have you been following it? Oh, sorry. Uh, well, as, I, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think that this situation uh, was coming. I, I, I saw it was coming because Cantero uh, uh, was uh, every day was uh, like the other the, the board members were were all uh, uh, resigning and, and he was uh, every day uh, a bit more alone. And uh, uh, the the final episode was on Monday when Independiente lost against Cruzeiro del Norte, and his wife was menaced. So uh, I think that, that that was like the limit for him. And apart from all the previous uh, episodes, that was like the final one because uh, you can you can stand lots of things, but when they are like saying like we will kill your family or your ma- your wife or or your children or something like that well that's a point different point and and well uh, apart but apart from that the situation i think it was like growing like a snowball and yes uh, with independiente uh, in the footballistic part not being in the in the promotion zone uh, but uh, the club itself is uh, even uh, weaker in, in terms of the institution. Yeah, um, the the real final straw appears to have been that he was supposed to go to the AFA headquarters right yesterday to sign 
Yeah, I've, I'm very hazy on the details of this. I'm literally lo- looking at it at the moment in Olay and trying to translate it into English in my head whilst talking. Um, to sign a, an agreement with Agrupación Independiente, which is the Comisión del Incha, is it? Or it's, no, I think it is the, the opposition political. Yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's el, the leader of that uh, okay. group is Moyano, Hugo Moyano, the the truck drivers trade trade union. It's very powerful man. With powerful, a lot of money, the most powerful trade union yes. uh, person in the country. In fact, he's effectively the, the political opposition to the government at this point in time. Yeah, my understanding was that Hugo Moyano was heading up a, the group that was going to basically bail out Independiente mm. and offer to give them pay the wages, but on the condition that they wanted to bring the presidential elections forward. Of course, yeah. So Cantero was going to. Has the, well, this has been going on for a while. This supposed deal, which Cantero's rejected, or had rejected up until this point, so that seems to have pushed things along. And then, like Andres said, obviously things on the pitch on Monday night as well certainly uh, escalated. <laughs> but uh, I, I had also heard last week that uh, the the agreement was said to be signed, but. Uh, when the AFIP, which is the organization that controls when the money comes from, is it's, like the, it's the Argentine tax office, basically. Yes, uh, uh, asked the Agrupación Independiente to provide information about where the funds the funds came from. Like they 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 like uh, ran away, and I, I, I thought that the the agreement was not. A, going to be signed and well apart from that yesterday like you said Cantero didn't go to the to the AFA to, to sign yeah. it but one reason of course that this is such a hot point is that as we've mentioned a few times um, before and hand of partners we hinted at uh, as Andres hinted at when mentioning the threats to Cantero's wife after um, the Crucero del Norte defeat on Monday um, Javier Cantero has been at war for the last two years two, two and a half years, yeah, uh, with the Independiente Barra Brava. Uh, we discussed at the time when, it, when this first all kicked off that um, basically none of the other club presidents were giving him any support at all. He got no support from Julio Rondona, he got no support from the national government. Um, and this whole like, this whole plan um, to rescue Independiente has the, the agreement of Grondona, this is a big thing of course because well as being the Alpha president, Grondona is also a lifelong Independiente supporter um, albeit president of course, well uh, the first president of Arsenal, Sarandi, but he grew up as an Independiente fan, and when you mention where the funds come from uh, the, the opposition group, and when you talk about where the support indeed of this opposition group who, who want to put a candidate up against Cantero at the next election, well they don't have to now because he stood down of course um, the answer is the Barra Right, I mean the Battle Royale have won in 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 this case. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm hoping this doesn't assume uh, that Bebote will be will become president. Oh, I'm not saying Bebote is going to be president, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, whichever president comes in after Cantero is going to be a president who's much much friendlier to yeah, of course. Big Baby um, and his uh, his Big Baby friends than than Javier Cantero was. Um, it kind of, for me, it, it, it's a very sad day, really, in Argentine football's battle against the Barra Brava. 
because Argentine football is battle against the banner brother never really started, did it? The, the media are against them, and the politicians, at least, are publicly against them. But one of the one of the biggest biggest signs that uh, proved that the the situation uh, was was coming is that uh, the the his peers, the other the, the other club, the other club's presidents, uh, at first when he tried to fight Barra Bravas, when Cantero tried to fight them, they were with him, and then. After uh, when the t when time passed by, uh, he they were leaving him alone and, and uh, stepped aside. They didn't uh, were uh, they weren't anymore with him uh, with the actions he, he took and, mm. uh, and whatever he did to in, in order to, to, to fight the Barra Brava. So uh, uh, it was Cantero against everyone, uh, not only Barra Bravas. Now we also need to say, I think, in um, a very well, both Peter and I, of course, are English, and so we try and uphold on, on St George's Day, of all days, the proud traditions of the good old BBC, um, and provide some uh, neutrality to this, try and present both sides of the story, because although, of course, the Barra Brava um, were consistently against Cantero, would have been, even if Independiente had been storming right now to their fourth consecutive Primera División Championship, um, just because that's not good business for them if, if the president's not giving them money. Um, it has to be said that a lot of ordinary fans of Independiente also aren't too hot on Javier Cantero at the moment. Um, Peter, you're an ordinary fan. Well, you're not really ordinary because you're English, but apart yeah. from that, you're a, a fan of Independiente. Can you tell us why this discontent with the president, in spite of the fact that I think the vast majority of fans would at least be sympathetic with the cause that he was fighting for off the pitch? Yeah, I mean, I think like you said the actual cause itself is, is an admirable one, but the position the Independiente find themselves in is one which few fans are, are going to be happy with, and I suppose the president is going to be at, at the centre of that when you look at Independiente financially. Um, you know, the, playing in a stadium which, which is three quarters sort of finished, mm. um, and then even more so now playing in the National B and increasingly looking like they're going to be there for another season. Or for another half season, but we'll get on to that uh, a little bit later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> With the change of... Uh, yeah, potentially. Yes. Um, yeah, but the, things came to... Well, I mean, things didn't really come to a head on Monday. It's been pretty dire for, for weeks, but there's another damaging defeat on Monday night to Cruzado del Norte, who an immediate rival for the for the third promotion spot so they're in fact now in the third promotion spot uh, albeit as things currently stand they would have to play a tiebreaker against Instituto both of those teams have 52 points um, Instituto are fourth just behind on goal difference but goal difference isn't used um, if that's how it ends at the end of the season Independiente fifth on 50 so they're by no means out of it because there are still eight games to go um, but obviously as you say and as we've mentioned before during a plate season in the B, 2011 to 2012, um, they were not out of the promotion, out of the automatic promotion spots, which at the time were only the top two places for the entire season. And Independiente, I don't think, have been in the top two all season, have they? They've been in third. No, they in third, yeah. I mean, I, I think also, you're right, they're not out of it. At the moment, they're only two points off the, the promotion spot. But if, it was, if they were in that position and they were on the up, you'd say, OK, they're, they're with some momentum. But if anything... They're looking worse with every game, mm. and then with every defeat, there's there seems to be an added off-field uh, drama. Um, so yeah, it's just a 
colossal mess. And it's a shame because just if we can very briefly talk about Monday's uh, match, if all of this stuff with Cantero hadn't happened, we could have had a good chance to laugh at the pitch today. <laughs> because just on the lighter side of things, it was hilarious. Crucero del Norte uh, were the home side in Gurapa, I think it's called, isn't it? In Misiones province. Yes. Um, and uh, there was a big report. I, I was watching Tay say an hour or so before the game kicked off, and they had a roving pitch side reporter. They weren't even screening the match, it was on TV Pública, um, going on and on and on about the grass and holding a blade of grass from a normal pitch up and next to it a blade of grass from this pitch and saying it's really very long, it's very long indeed. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to kind of fuss about nothing in particular here. And I turned over for Fox Sports Radio Del Plata, didn't pay much attention. About half an hour into the game, I thought, oh, I'll just turn over now, I'm getting bored of the, the radio show on the television. So I flipped over to Tempo Publica to watch the game and immediately just burst out laughing because the pitch was, I mean, it was being played in a verdant, lush cornfield of, of grass. <laughs> it was quite ridiculous. And I then realised something that I'd heard. The, uh, the chap on the TV talking about before and I sort of heard it and haven't really registered it and suddenly it came back to me that he had said that the grass was eight centimetres long in some parts of the pitch that's three inches for our uh, imperial <laughs> front which is quite something I mean the ball was notably slowing up all the time I, I mean the, the size of the of the pitch also I think five metres wider uh, wider than, than Independiente's uh, mm. stadium pitch so yeah, exactly. So for a team who aren't used to playing on it, 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 it was quite something. I don't know whether they've had it like that all season or whether it's been. I mean, there have been very heavy rains, of course, in the north of Argentina various times in the last month or so. Um, but I, I was tempted to. I actually did tweet that I think if Crucero del Norte do go up, the AFA should offer them a head start in the Promedio as long as they keep their pitch like that for every home game. Because it would just be hilarious watching Primera División matches on that. Can you imagine Riquelme trying to play a three? <laughs> Brilliant. The, the problem for Independiente, I think, uh, from now on, is that uh, we usually uh, hear or we are used to to, to watching uh, coaches uh, resigning after a bad campaign or bad uh, or a bunch of matches. And in this case, the one who resigned was the president. So, and, the, and, and Omar de Felipe is still, uh, fortunately, because coach, yeah. he's a good coach, they are in his in his job post. Um, and this Monday he, they have another opportunity, uh, 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 even though they are not playing well, uh, another opportunity because they play against uh, Sportivo Belgrano uh, on Monday, I think. And uh, Instituto, if, if they win and Instituto loses the, uh, their match, they will be again in, in, really in promotion zone. Well, if, if Instituto and uh, Crucero del Norte, yes, but, yes. but Crucero del Norte are actually away to Defensa Justicia uh, this weekend, you're quite right. And then, Independiente play the last match of the round at home to Sportivo Belgrano so by the time they kick off they will know whether or not a victory is going to send them um, back into the promotion spots it's by no means all lost but it isn't looking fantastic um, the other main results in the promotion battle for the B Nacional we're not going to talk about the B Nacional for too long don't worry um, were Banfield beating Aldo Civi de Mar del Plata 3-0 uh, Instituto losing away to Union de Santa Fe 2-0 um, Defensa Justicia were held nil-nil away to Almirante Brown. That's it, I think those are the main contenders really, aren't they? We've mentioned Independiente already, and that means that the positions at the moment in the uh, championship race are Banfield, after 34 games, it's a 42-game season in the B, um, have 65 points. Defensa Justicia have 63 points, and then there's a big drop to Crucero del Norte on 52. 
Instituto also, as I mentioned already, on 52, Independiente 50, and Union uh, two points behind Independiente on 48. Um, there are a few teams, in fact, there are bloody hell, there are four teams, um, all on 47 points, and then Gimnasia y Grima de Jujuy on 46. Um, so those are sort of tight uh, promotion chases, I would guess, at the moment. And you still wouldn't bet against Independiente doing it, but at the same time, you wouldn't bet against Crucero del Norte or Instituto or even Union pipping them to the post either, um, the way that they're currently playing. Um, and with that, we're going to get on to the Primera, because we know that you don't uh, tune in time the pot to listen to that second division football, even though the second division championship is arguably of a considerably higher standard this season than the Primera, because we've had another uh, weekend of rather dull matches. I think we've had, is it eight goals? One, two, fourteen three, goals. Four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, yeah, 14 goals. You're quite right. Although four of those came in one match. Um, the results this weekend were Rosario Central, nil. Estudiantes de la Plata, nil. Quilmes, nil. Olimpo de Bahia Blanco, one. San Lorenzo, nil. Newell's Old Boys, nil. Uh, Colón, nil. Belgrano, nil. Argentinos Juniors, nil. Racing, one. I was at that one, unfortunately, with Rupert Fryer. Um, Arsenal 3, Lanús 1 That was one that I don't think anyone saw coming But we'll get on to it in a second River Plate 1, Derez Sarsfield 0 Tigre 0, Boca Juniors 1 Godoy Cruz 3, Atletico de Rafaela 0 And Gimnasia y Grima La Plata 2, All Boys 1 Before we go into these matches individually What this means for the title race is that it's as tight as ever We've got the top 5 Separated by two points. Gimnasia and River are now joint top on 27 points. It's the first time that River have been top after 15 rounds of the championship, I believe, since the 2008 Clausura, which was the last championship that they won. Um, Estudiantes and Colonna joint third on 26, and Godoy Cruz are fifth on 25 points. Um, what did we think the, the best moments were, gentlemen, in this, this weekend of thrilling football? as he raised his eyebrows towards the ceiling. Virtually every match I did catch this weekend ended either nil-nil or one-nil. So, thrilling moments were few and far between. Actually, from what I did see, Raquel May's um, dramatic winner would would take my vote. There were two late winners this week. Uh, Both of them came in matches that Mystic Sound had predicted draws for. Both of them came, well... Mystic Sam got 5 out of 10 anyway, so I'm quite happy with that. That's a fairly, you know, a decent average. Um, given that the results are random, you can't really expect to get 50% every weekend. Um, but it would have been 7 if it were not for the aforementioned Riquelme Screamer and an almost equally late goal for Racing against Argentinos, which came with 5 seconds left of 90 minutes. There was stoppage time afterwards, of course. Um, but Rodrigo de Paul at the match that, as I just said, I was disappointed to be at who'd been clearly the best player on the pitch anyway. He'd, uh, he'd wasted out on the left. And was um, a cracking goal as well. It, it, well, it sort of was, but I've, I've not yet seen it back on YouTube, actually, I have to say. I'd like to. But from where we were sitting in the stands, it looked very much as if Argentinos defenders just all sort of stood there and let him... Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was... He didn't really have to go around the challenge at any point. Yeah, you can't, the first challenge on the halfway line was very weak, to say the least. And then, yeah, there was not a great deal of defending, but still, he... he Argentinos, by the way, by this point, only had like two defenders on the pitch anyway because they got a man sent off and, and Borgi. Obviously, Argentinos need to win for reasons we'll get on to in a short while. 
Um, so they were they were putting on, even though they'd had a man sent off, they, were, they put on a striker, well, a striker, in inverted commas, Jose Sand, um, for a defender at one point and so on. So by this point, there was basically nobody in defence for Argentinos anyway. But um, He ran past it was still a, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, it was still uh, frustrating to see for someone who predicted a draw in that match and thought he was going to get it. Um, Riquelme actually was, however, without any room for debate, a golasso. Even if we say it ourselves as Independiente and River Plate fans, um, quite a magnificent hit. Yeah. So two two number ten players decided two matches in the very end of the mat- of those matches, mm. and uh, when Rick- I think that when Riquelme Riquelme is always telling us things even without talking, because when when he if he scored that magnificent goal, uh, uh, permitting Boca to win a match that was for everyone. Uh, uh, Sealed the uh, zero zero. Uh, he didn't celebrate. Well, we are, we he's a boy of Tigre fan, isn't he? I think that's. But the, the Tigre crowd is, uh, whistled at him all the time, all the all the match. So during all the match, so we could say that it was more for the board members mm. of the Boca board members than for for the crowd or, or even well, not Boca because away crowd is not allowed, but. Uh, For, for I think it was a message for for them. And uh, when the journalist at the uh, on the pitch asked him what will he be doing uh, from June, uh, he said I will be here in Don Torquato, which is which is the neighborhood where he lives, mm. which is around the corner from Tigre Stadium, of course. Yes. So that could mean one of two things. Saying <laughs> yes. saying so, so that he's going to be uh, in in that locality. Um, that was Boca's fourth consecutive clean sheet. So well done, Boca's defence. They've actually become competent at last. Not sure when they last could uh, only let in four in a row. They had a run of three in a row during in the middle of last year's torneo inicial, but it stopped at three, I believe. Racing, um, as we mentioned, a very rare win for them away to Argentinos Juniors. But Argentinos now are doomed. Uh, if Argentinos Juniors don't win this weekend, then they're relegated. Um, Already, with with three matches still to go, which in the Argentine relegation system, of course, takes some doing. Really, it, it one of those matches sort of out this early, and one of those matches is against River. So yeah, uh, at home to River, uh, and of course River's away record is not great, um, but it is the the penultimate weekend. Yeah, they're they're at home to River. Um, in the meantime, they've got games. Let me just remind myself this weekend. They're playing at home against Gimnasia, chasing the title. They've won five in a row. That's not looking great. Um, then they're away to Quilmes, who are just above them in the relegation table. Then at home to River Plate, as we mentioned. And then on the final weekend, uh, Argentinos are away to Rosario Central. But, as we say, they need four wins from those four games in order to say that. Well, in fact, I think if they win this weekend... Depending on results elsewhere, they might be able to get away with um, with seven points from the last nine. Um, but this weekend, if they don't win, then they are down. Um, so it looks like we're saying goodbye, Argentinos, basically, because I can't see them uh, beating Gimnasia, given the form that Gimnasia are in at the moment. Speaking of Gimnasia, they got a 2-1 win against All Boys in the weekend's final match, which came on Monday afternoon, which is why I put in weekends in inverted commas, which I've just realised none of my listeners can hear, um, so I'm doing them with my fingers. Finished with 10 men, 
Again, uh, Omar Pulso got sent off quite late on, but from what I saw of it, it was a deserved victory, really. It could have been more than 2-1, I think it's fair to say. All boys got there one very shortly after Gimnasio went 2-0 up. An incredible goal in that game as well. Yes. Oh, from Lucas Licht, of course, yeah, I forget. Eight minutes in. Yeah. Magnificent, yeah. Fantastic uh, bicycle kick. He said afterwards that he had no idea where it had gone until he heard the crowd roaring, <laughs> which is... Which is when you know you've hit it well. Yes, because we, we remember him scoring several goals uh, from from long shot from long distance uh, um, shots, but not uh, of, of course bicycle kicks. And with no 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 stopping the ball, he he took the ball as it came mm. uh, from across. I don't know the I don't remember the, the the one who who I think it was Blanchier, but I'm not sure. It might have been Mesa. No, Maxi Mesa. That's not right. So yes, it was. For far the, the, the of, of course the most uh, the, the best goal of the of the of the round and I, I don't know if if uh, the best goal of the, the at, at least up to now the torneo uh, final. So you think? Yeah, bicycle gig is I think is. I think I might be tempted to go along with that because yeah. of the fact that it, it wasn't one of those ones where he teed himself up for it. It came no, at a cross which came in at quite a pace. Uh, yeah. And, okay, yeah, it, there was a, a degree of luck in there. He probably didn't have a clue where it went. <laughs> but I think Picante Pereira scored the, uh, another bicycle kick, but the goal was disallowed. Uh, I don't remember anything else, but I, 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 I am pretty sure he, 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 uh, he did another bicycle kick, like in the last uh, tournament when he scored it, and it wasn't disallowed against Racing when Belgrano beat Racing 3 0. And he scored another beautiful bicycle league. Speaking of brilliant goals, uh, Jose Valencia, right before the hour mark, away to Quilmes for Olimpo, got another, I think it's his fourth goal in five matches or something now for Olimpo, so after starting slightly slowly, he's he's caught fire recently. Cutting in for about 40 yards from goal out on the right-hand touchline, took it around three people, and then as he was slipping over, stabbed it beyond the goalkeeper. Um, for a huge win for Olimpo because it all but puts them safe I think if they're going to win this weekend then they're up for, for certain um, so although we've not had many goals this weekend I'm starting to realise we actually saw some quite good ones also. <laughs> yeah, does, no, does quality make up for quantity? probably probably not given that the rest of the football surrounding them is generally pretty shit um, that was that was on Saturday Friday no Saturday yeah, Saturday afternoon because we recorded last Friday night, didn't we, of course. Um, San Lorenzo put out a reserve team against New York's old boys, as Mystic Sam told Mr. Wilson they were going to uh, when he doubted my prediction. And they got what they wanted, I suppose. Well, they got what they deserved, anyway, which was a nil-nil draw. Um, Newell's, I think, are just staggering towards the end of the season now, aren't they? They're out of the Libertadores, they're way out of the championship race. Look forward to working out who's going to be the next manager and try and take an undoubtedly talented squad Um and, and keep going with them. Uh, this season's been disappointing. The, the, the eternal hope is is Bielsa, but uh, no, he's he's gone. He's Marseille already. I can't say that. But. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know whether it was confirmed today or whether I just saw in yet another story about the project at Marseille. But that sounds like it's pretty much certain. So they can forget about that dream. Uh, did either of you catch Arsenal against Lanús? Well, because I missed it, I was I was out. It was played at the same time as Argentinos against Racing. To start with Arsenal, uh, it was a debut, a Palermo debut in the the bench, and the, the what we could see there 
as a very uh, as, as, a, as a clear difference uh, between him and and, and Gustavo Alfaro, the, the 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 one who resigned or where he was sacked last week is the, that he preferred to play with the, with an enganche mm -hmm. with the role standing as a natural number ten. Uh, well, we are we were used to to see, watching Arsenal with a, a clear 4-4-2 very very uh, marked 4-4-2 and in this case well it was a good result for him we can say we can say that that yes it, because he he played with a, with an enganche but uh, at least from for the result it was very very good with a very another very good goal uh, in this case from Caraglio Milton Caraglio yes uh, Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. Well, Caraglio scored twice, in fact, so I'm not sure which one. Uh, the first one was the first one. Yes, yes. One, one from a rebound, I think, uh, that the goalkeeper, that the Marquezine gave, and then a very beautiful shot that uh, travelled into the top angle. And he's, he, he admitted that he wanted to to hit the, the, the goalkeeper's head, so, but he, the, the ball went uh, straight into the, into the top corner. The other Arsenal goal uh, came from Diego Bragieri with five minutes to go, and then Santiago Silva got a consolation for Lanús in stoppage time. Um, interestingly, given what you've just said about Palermo's formation and system, I read an interview, I can't remember who, but one of the Arsenal players uh, afterwards, I think it was Ivan Marconi, but don't quote me on it, um, who said that they'd been playing very, very similar football all season long under Alfaro. They just haven't had the luck. Really? Really? Is, is that the case? Um, as I say, I've not seen any of the game, but 3-1 is a result that stands out a long way in Arsenal's domestic results, at least. Uh, they play on Thursday in the Copa Libertadores at home to Union Española um, in their first ever Libertadores knockout match. I think for both... No, Union Española have been in the Libertadores knockout stages before, but Arsenal haven't. Um, we shall get on to Argentine sides and the Libertadores in a brief roundup a little later because, of course, we spent quite a lot of time on them last week. Um, but just to bring everyone up to speed, and, and Lanús will play this midnight against Santos Laguna, the, the yes. second match of the second leg of the uh, one round of uh, round of sixteen. Yes, after uh, traveling during eighteen hours. Yeah, they, they've gone up to Torreón in Mexico. Uh, and as Andres says they kick off at 10 past midnight Argentine time of course it's not 10 past midnight Mexican time uh, but that is um, to be saved for a rant that I've got about Copa Libertadores kick off times in the continent the Copa Libertadores is played in for God's sake um, excluding people from being able to watch on television their own team in this case because how many people who are working tomorrow morning are going to be able to catch their team tonight um, but what I was going to say was that after this Arsenal-Union Española match on Thursday, Arsenal travel to La Bombonera on Sunday, and this will be fun and interesting because if Martin Palermo, of course, we know is a Boca legend, but so are Rolando Esquiavi and Roberto Abondancieri, that was a fantastic time, I forget his name, wasn't it, um, who are... Palermo's assistants uh, in the Arsenal coaching staff. Now, I suspect that they're going to not particularly feel like an away match, are they? That one. I think they'll probably feel fairly at home in La Bombonera being well, lauded by the fans. But they had another former teammate in 
the last match against Lanús with Guillermo and Gustavo Barros Esqueloto. Yeah, of course. So, and they, 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 well, yes, they were like uh, like friends before the match uh, kick off, and then well, uh, during the match uh, they 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 are they, they they are friends, but between the players there is no no friendship. So. Hmm. Uh, the other main match, well, Godoy Cruz got a 3-0 win against Atletico Rafaela at 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon. Monday was not a holiday in Argentina. Why they're kicking off at 2 o'clock, who knows? But anyway, that was 3-0, fairly routine. It leaves Godoy Cruz, I believe, only a point behind. Let me just get the relegation table up. Uh, but it tightens up the relegation table somewhat because it means that Atletico Rafaela now haven't won in something like seven games. They look completely home and dry in late February, early March. And now they're one point ahead of Godoy Cruz in the relegation zone. Uh, not in the relegation zone, sorry, in the relegation battle. And catchable, certainly by Quilmes. Mathematically, although it doesn't seem likely catchable by all boys, um, certainly catchable by Godoy Cruz, who are a point behind, having won far more points um, over the course of this torneo final. We didn't really discuss how they took on Rafael. They're relegation candidates at the start of the final, but they just might be if they don't G up their ideas quite soon. And the other match of the weekend, the most important match of the weekend, because there are two River fans on at the moment and it took us top of the table, was the match in which Teo Gutierrez, who has suddenly, since I snagged him off for being rubbish for River, has become quite good in the last few weeks and he started scoring. Um, he scored the only goal of the game, half an hour in. I've still not seen it. I believe it was from a goalkeeping error, wasn't it? A really awful goal kick from Sebastián Soja. Yeah. Sosa, sorry, not Sosa. <laughs> that means soy. Um, we, we, myself and Rupert, went from uh, the Argentinos match to Esteban Beckerman's flat, um, where we had the goal described to us in luxuriant detail by Esteban, who is a Vélez fan, and who might be appearing on Hadley Pod at some point in the future, hopefully, um, and by Mr. Wilson. Um, but Teo gets another goal, then gets injured. Is he going to play at the weekend? We don't know. We do know that Eder Alvarez Balanta is definitely not going to play this weekend um, in River Plate's back line. He's got a thigh injury, which is, is going to keep him out for two weeks, I think. Yes, it is said that uh, he won't even play against Racing yeah. the last, uh, next week. He should be back in time for the Argentinos game, which, as we mentioned before, is, is in. Yes. Well, it's not the next one, it's not the next but one, it's the next but two for River. Yes. And, and it is good in, a, in a part uh, to. To watch uh, Theo Gutierrez score, finally score goals, uh, even though that that, that particular goal uh, would uh, should have been disallowed because he was in the in the goal in the in the box when when Sosa uh, shot the, the, the goal kick. Mm. But the problem is that I think Vélez players didn't know or didn't know the rules or didn't notice it at that moment that that he was uh, that Theo Gutierrez was. Uh, already but didn't the ball leave the box? Uh, no, he when when he shot the ball, when Sosa shot the ball, Theo Gutierrez was already in the box. He uh, tail, but did, did the ball not leave yeah, the box? Yeah, it, it hit a defender, didn't it, and bounced to tail? No, the, no, the ball was straight into the into Lanzini. He Lanzini headed the ball. He knows he wasn't in the box, uh-huh. uh, but uh, Theo Gutierrez is in the angle, I think, uh, when right. when the shot when the free kick. When the goal kick is shot, is shot, so it was a very slim play, a very fine play. So, but if we are strict, uh, or or the referee would 
have seen that and, and would have been strict, he would, uh, she should have uh, disallowed the goal. Mm. It's yet another example, however, of Vélez losing once again. I believe they've now lost four in a row or something. They're just, they've given up on the league. It's the first, okay, I read this, the first time they've lost four in a row since 2000... I'll have to check. <laughs> in a long time. 2008 or something. Yeah. No, maybe not that long. I can no. believe it. It might be 2008. I, I read a, a, a not a remarkable stat, but a stat that said it was the four hundred pounds. Well, in the league, of course, because in the Libertadores, they're going great guns. They've just kicked off. Um, whilst Peter was saying that sentence, they're now 20 seconds in now uh, of their away match to Nacional de Paraguay um, in the Copa Libertadores round of 16. This is the first leg. If there are any goals during our recording session, we will, of course, update you. Although it'll be not really updating you because the game would have finished by the time I get Probably Vélez was thinking about this match when, when they were playing against River because mm-hmm. the, their first exactly. half was was horrible. We have to say uh, uh, that it was as horrible, as Vélez as horrible f- uh, first half as it was a very good River first half. Uh, in the second half they, they uh, literally gave the ball to the to the to the rival to Vélez and Vélez, we can say that they uh, were around the, the uh, Chichisola goal, uh, the last 15 minutes of the match perhaps not before, and Chichisola we have to say that he responded efficiently again, uh, like like against the Estudiantes, so uh, it was uh, another very good. Uh, 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 they, he 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 saved the two key two balls where uh, two plays were that were key in order to save the, the in that case the one zero. I think with Venice being on this run, their their title aspirations had already finished, um, and then with this match that's currently being played coming up, really the, the match against River there was very little to play for. Indeed. Now then, gents, in terms of the title race, um, Ole have got a little rundown of the top. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams um, who are all five points apart in the Torneo uh, Final. With four games to go, of course, that for the mathematically challenged is 12 points left to play for. Um, they've got the run-ins. They've got the run-ins for each one. I don't think we're going to look at all nine, but as I've mentioned, the top five are within two points. So, Gimnasia, River, Estudiantes, Colón, Godoy, Cruz. The champions are probably going to come from that group, assuming nobody yeah. cocks up too badly. Although, of course, that's precisely what happened towards the end of uh, the last... Lanús has a pending match. Lanús has got a game in hand, actually, yeah, that's yes. a very good point. Um, they play Tigre at home Wednesday next week. Um, which I imagine will be more or less when we're recording the, uh, the next episode, in fact. Um, it might be before or after, because I'm not sure of the kick-off time. Uh, but that was obviously due to them not being able to play last week's midweek round due to the first leg of their Libertadores round of 16 match, which had to be played against Santos Laguna last week. Um, so in fact, yeah, let's assume that they're going to win that, which should send it to 25 as well, level with Godoy Cruz. And let's look at the run-ins that each of these teams have got. Gimnasia, uh, away to Argentinos, at home to Lanús, away to Quilmes, and then finish off at home to Boca Juniors. There's been some talk on a couple of forums about why that might prove important, um, the last one. River, 
I think River have got the easiest running after this coming weekend, not counting this one. I think the last three matches are probably the easiest um, of any of the contenders. Uh, they are away to Olimpo, which is tricky this weekend, but after that they've got a home match against Racing, an away game against Argentinos, who, as we've mentioned already, will almost certainly have been relegated by that point, and then they finish off at home to Quilmes. Estudiantes are uh, 26 points, they're a point behind the two I've just mentioned. Um, home to Godoy Cruz, away to Colón, home to San Lorenzo, away to Tigre. Colón, level of points for Estudiantes, away to Rafaela, um, oh, sorry, away to Atletico in Rafaela, because we're trying to house style now, under pod, we're not referring to Rafaela as Rafaela, because that's not what they're called. Um, sorry, I sidetracked myself there. Colón, uh, away to Atletico in Rafaela, at home to Estudiantes, then away to Vélez, might or might not be easy, depending on how well they're doing in the Libertadores, and then at home to Olimpo. Godoy Cruz on 25 points, are away to Estudiantes, at home to Vélez, away to Olimpo, then at home to Racing. And Lanús, of course, as we mentioned, have this game in hand, have got this weekend at home to All Boys in round 16. Then next Wednesday, they're at home to Tigre in round 14. Not that that's confusing. And then a few days after that, uh, they are away to Gimnasia La Plata, then they're away to Bocan Juniors, and then they finish off at home to Newell's Old Boys. But of course, they're carrying, we don't know the result of tonight's match, of course, and therefore at the tie, but they're carrying a 2-1 lead um, into Wednesday night slash Thursday mornings Copa Libertadores round of 16 tie. So if they go through there, they're going to have a couple more midweek rounds in between as well. Um, sorry, more, more midweek commitments in the, in the Libertadores. Um, who do we say as favourites? Mm-hmm. About, well, about Lanús, uh, I, I would say that even though they their performance went a bit down, I, I think that they, they are still the, the best team in, in, in terms of play. But if they advance to quarterfinals of Copa Libertadores, they will have to face Bolívar, which ha- is mm. all a surprise. But they, they have advanced. And they have matches in La Paz, yes. which even if Bolívar were rubbish, would arguably, um, would arguably make things difficult enough as it were. Bolivar, incidentally, last night, Andres is quite right to bring them up, a bit of Copa Libertadores history, uh, became the first team from Bolivia to reach the Copa Libertadores quarterfinals since Bolivar in 2000. Um, the strongest have currently got a 2-0 lead from the first leg against Defensor Sporting. Yes. The strongest play away to Defensor Sporting on the 29th, which is next Tuesday, I think. Yeah, next Tuesday night. If they go through, it will be the first time ever that the Copa Libertadores quarterfinals have featured two Bolivian sides in the same year. Um, so good luck to the strongest. You've got a very silly name, and I've always liked you. Yes. Um, I kind of like defence or sporting as well, but given the choice, I'd probably just about rather see history made. For I not like a team called the strongest. <laughs> no, exactly. Apparently the La Paz Derby, although I think they're in the second division now, uh, is played between the strongest and always ready which is another magnificent name. Anyway, this is an Argentine football podcast. Yes, about, about the total race, I, I would say that Colón has the... the uh, 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 having listened to what you said about the fixture, Colón has the, the most difficult, I think. They've got to host Estudiantes, of course, they're level on points at the moment. They have to go away to Atletico this weekend, which is very tricky. Um, away to Vélez is arguably, possibly a gimme, but at home to Olimpo on the last day, won't necessarily be easy, so I'd, I'd agree with you there, actually. Um, I think... Uh, Olimpo are nowhere near as good away as they are at home, yeah. but 
if they're relaxed and they know they've got to get points still for next next season's relegation battle, of course they could prove motivated enough to nick something. Lanús, if they were to go out of the Libertadores tonight, then their match against Gimnasia next weekend would be big. That's that's in next weekend. That's at the end of next week. Yeah. yeah. Um, by which time they'll have played two more league matches. Yeah. Very confusing. But uh, but other than that, I think looking at the the title, the run-ins, um, I'd be surprised if we if we know if we're any clear really by the final final weekend. And in I that, think by the final two we might be. As I say, my my main reservation for River is just the fact that their away form is awful. They've won one match away from home this year. Of course, it was the Super Classico. So that arguably something's up with motivation there for away games, right? Because the Super is the one away match they've played that they were definitely completely up for. Couldn't be more pumped up for it. It's the only one they've managed to win. Um, so and, and Olimpo is strong at home. Olimpo have lost a couple at home, but then they win far more than they lose. They're a very organised team. And for that reason, uh, I think that's tricky for River. But the last three rounds, Argentinos, even though it's an away game, I think is a gimmick. Because Argentinos are just, having seen them the other day, they're dreadful. And, and Gimnasia is not, a, not, not a, 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 an easy com- competitor because they. I don't know if you mentioned that they won five match, matches in a row. Mm. So, well, that's enough for them to, to be serious candidates. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, one reason. Had the best final day fixture. Yes, exactly. At home to Kilmes, who might very well be down as well. So, River, arguably. It's more than possible that, that both of River's last two opponents would have been relegated by the time River played them. Um, of course, Kilmes could end up to be fighting for their lives in that match. If they manage to pick up enough points in the next three rounds, that might be crucial for their survival. Um, but we shall see. Now, this is a nice segue, actually, because the second time I saw River played um, in the flesh was the very end of the 2004 Doneo Clausura. I'm sure Andres remembers what's happened. Um, when River were in line for their second or third, I think it was third consecutive championship, uh, they were at home to Atletico de Rafaela, funnily enough, a team I'd never heard of at the time, but who I rather like now. And the situation was that River needed a draw to take the title. I think it was Boca who finished second, I can't remember um, exactly. Mm. Um, and Atletico needed a draw to rescue themselves and to, to ensure that they were not going to be relegated. And surprise, surprise, the match ended in a draw. You will have remembered that about five minutes ago, or ten minutes ago, I'm not sure exactly, I said that there's been some talk on internet forums that Gimnasia having their final match at home to Boca might prove big in the title race. This is because, of course, if Gimnasia and River are still level on points going into that final weekend, yes, we have or if Gimnasia have one point more, are Boca going to put up yes. resistance and try and beat them? We have to wait until that point, and yesterday Caminay, during an TV interview so that he believes he trusts trusts in, in Boca players that which is true we can't say that oh they always say this this is what Independiente said towards the end of last season when Racing yes. threw that match against Kildas but we can we can say that yes that of course Boca most in the supporters than in the players no one will be happy if River gets the championship but which is true about what Kamenagi said said is that a lot of Boca players are will decide whether they they stay in the in the team or not because of these matches and then that very last match perhaps the, I don't know if they will decide that particular match 
but it, it will take part into a, a whole season which was crap. And, and if they don't do what they have to do in order to, to get, I know a good, a good result, but at least to, to, to demonstrate that they are, <laughs> at the, they are, they have the, the, they are capable of playing for a team like Boca. Well, uh, what that was that was what what Kavanagh said. Mm. I don't know we can agree or not, but I think Kavanagh is trying to convince the Boca players of that as much as anything by saying it. Like he's trying to say he's that, hey, yeah, look, look, uh, try uh, be careful about what you do, something like that. Like, put it this way: if Boca's next three matches are awful, if if they forget about the fairly decent run, two wins and two draws they've had in the last four matches, which. I realise doesn't sound spectacular for a club of Boca's size, but compared with their form prior to those four matches, it's, it's brilliant. Um, if we forget about that for a second, if, if they fall away again in these next three games, and if suddenly, come the last weekend of the season, Bianchi's job might be on the line, there are rumours that they might sack him or whatever, and he tells the players, don't worry about this game, if we win it, River win the title, go out and lose, and hand Gimnasia the title. They're not going to sack him for that. There's no way that that they're going to fire Bianchi knowing that that's the only reason. Well, it might not be the only reason, of course. Boca could put the put their all into it and end up losing anyway. But there's no way they'll sack him if they know that that's what he said to the, the players. So I think that the players need to prove themselves in the next three games, and I don't trust them. In the same way, by the way, if the situation were reversed, the River supporting part of me wouldn't be at all disappointed if River threw the last game and denied Boca the title. In so doing, I'm sure. Well, having almost, uh, it wasn't really the case, was it, last season, but Racing, of course, as I mentioned, threw that game against Kilmes. We said at the time it, it was a bit iffy, and then Santi Leakes um, told us a few weeks later that he had it on good authority that Racing were indeed, um, had, had indeed been told to throw that match. And it now turns out that it's being investigated by the AFA, because it turns out that uh, Zubaldia is being investigated and a few of the, the Racing players are being investigated for having thrown it because it, it uh, didn't really condemn Independiente that was done by Independiente's own performances throughout you, the season yes, you don't, but it was one yeah, of the straws that broke the count you don't become champion in this case you can't become champion if, if the final match is decided uh, and if Gimnasia loses uh, uh, River will, will, will get the championship perhaps uh, but the, River has to win uh, uh, two and, and mm. you don't decide the, uh, everything in one only only one no, match. Of course. Of course. Um, lest this sound too much like River fans trying to get their excuses in early, I will just reiterate that I think as long as they deal sensibly with the challenge of being away to Olympia this weekend, um, River look like title favourites to me at this point. Yeah, compare, the, compare the last three games. Uh, I'd much rather be playing Racing Argentinos and Kilmes than Lanús, Kilmes, Boca um, in the last three matches. Which if is you could hand Three final fixtures. I don't know if you'd be that far off. Racing and Kilmes at home. Well, I definitely pick Argentinos and Kilmes given that. Well, no, I definitely pick uh, Argentinos and Racing. Sorry, given their, given their recent displays, particularly given that River at home have have got the best record in the division. They, they lost to Godoy Cruz, but they've won their other. I think they've won five and lost one. They might be won six and lost one at home. Um, so Racing and Kilmes. Neither of them are much cop away from home. Don't have any problems. The, the problem with Kilmes is they're unpredictable. Kilmes beat, well, Veles, <laughs> who aren't trying, but um, Kilmes are capable of, of digging in and getting a result from time to time, almost surprising themselves. Uh, but Racing and Argentinos at least should be six points. 
um, between now. So Revy are looking at finishing on at least 33 points, and the way that everyone else is dropping points in the title race, apart from Gymnasium, of course, um, but the way that everyone dropped points towards the end of the Torneo Inicial, six points might be enough to do it. Who knows? Anyway, relegation? No, not just yet. We're going to uh, recharge our glasses, play some music, and afterwards we will have a brief chat about the relegation um, running, if I can find something with the fixtures for those teams. because I thought I was going to have to do one up by hand and was regretting not having thought of doing it before, of the uh, teams in the relegation battle and each of their fixtures that are remaining. The first thing to mention is that we've already talked about Godoy Cruz and Colón's fixtures that are remaining for the title race. <laughs> and now we're going to mention them again for the relegation battle. Um, because, of course, in Argentina, for new listeners, the relegation table is not the same as the championship table. It's run over three full seasons, that is six short championships, all of the points are gathered up and divided by the number of matches played, which is different for each side of course. Quilmes, for example, have been in the Primera for only two seasons, the current one and the previous one, so their points, there are far fewer points for them on the board, but they are divided by fewer matches played, by 38 fewer matches played, than the rest of the teams around them, as a result of which things get a bit complicated. The current relegation zone is, as we mentioned already, Argentinos Juniors bottom, All Boys second bottom and Quilmes third bottom. Um, a reminder for those who've been following Argentine football since the relegation playoff days, those three now just go down automatically. Um, Godoy Cruz, Atletico de Rafaela, Colón and Olimpo, the teams just above them all. Quilmes have got one season fewer on the table than everyone else. Olimpo have got two seasons fewer on the table. They only got promoted at the beginning of this current season. Okay, Argentinos Juniors we're just going to ignore because I think it's I'm strongly of the opinion that they're going to go down um, this weekend they, they've got a home match against Gimnasia La Plata there's no way that they could do this in fact hang on let me just um, I've just realised that the Ole calculator hasn't been updated for the results from this past weekend so I'm going to plug those in now right what did all boys do? they lost didn't they? <laughs> yes they did didn't they to Gimnasia Quilmes? They lost. lost to Olimpo. Uh, Godoy Cruz against Rafael of one. Which meant Atletico lost. Colón. Drew with Belgrano. And Olimpo beats. Caruso Lombardi, as, as we are used to, to hearing him crying and, and, and saying uh, that kind of things, like a victim, he said that Kilmans was uh, 90% this, uh, already related. So. Mm. So if we agree with him, we would say that we can say that there is only one place uh, available for for relegation. I'm not sure I do necessarily agree with him. Uh, <laughs> the fixtures that are remaining, we'll go through the three who are in the relegation. No, sorry, the two that are in the relegation zone as well. At first, because as I say, Argentinos um, are going to lose to Gimnasia this weekend. I think almost certainly they might draw, but they're certainly not going to beat Gimnasia. 
and that's what they have to do in order to stand the cat chance in hell, snowball's chance in hell um, of staying up. Um, so we're going to ignore Akintinos. All boys, last four fixtures are away to Lanus. Lanus have been up and down a little bit, sorry, um, with uh, Coppoli Vestoris commitments and stuff, but it doesn't seem to have affected them in the in their home games. They've lost plenty away. They have won something like five or six in a row at home, and mostly by a minimum of two goals. So I don't give all boys much hope there because they're shit at the moment. Um, Kilmes are away to Racing. <laughs> this is why I don't agree with Carlos Lombardi's idea that they're 90% relegated because they're away to Racing this weekend, and then they've got a home match against Dinos. So we shall see. Um, first of all, however, right, all boys. Uh, away to Lanús, at home to Boca, away to Newell's Old Boys, at home to Belgrano on the last weekend. Kilmes have got Racing away, Argentinos at home, uh, Gimnasia at home, followed by River away. Godoy Cruz have Estudiantes away, which is also very tricky. Estudiantes draw a lot, but they don't lose at home at all. Vélez away, sorry, Vélez at home, Olimpo away, and Racing. Sorry, I'll leave at home, Racing away. I'm getting confused now by these uh, number, uh, letters. Um, Atletico de Rafaela have Colón away. San Lorenzo at home. Tricky. Tigre at home. I've done it again. San Lorenzo away. <laughs> Tigre at home. Sorry, Peter, I just spat on your keyboard. Um, and Arsenal away. Colón have Atletico de Rafaela away, Estudiantes at home, Vélez away, and Olimpo at home, and Olimpo have River Plate at home this weekend, as we've mentioned for the title race, uh, Rosario Central away, Godoy Cruz at home, and Colón away. Do any of those sound like kind run-ins at all? I'm going to turn this around so you can actually so you can see them. As I said last, last episode of Handball, I think that Colón and Godoy Cruz are, are far the, 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 of, between all, the, all those teams, the ones who are playing the best. And, and apart from that, uh, from, from, uh, between the teams that are uh, in most uh, uh, serious, with have the, the, the most difficult difficulties uh, to be related are... Uh, Borghi was the one, the only one who didn't complain about the referees. Uh, Ricardo uh, Ro Rodriguez from from All Boys and of course uh, Carlos Lombardi from uh, from Kimmins have complained about the the penalties that haven't been given and, and that stuff. And and, and Borghi, well, didn't complain, but the the, the Argentinos is almost uh, relegated. But yes, Colón and, and as I said, Colón and Godoy Cruz for me are, are out of the of the relegation battle because of, of they are more the, the most uh, solid teams uh, between all of the others that, that you mentioned so so Colón and Godoy Cruz uh, you think you're fine yes ok interesting I think that I've asked whether anyone's got a particularly kind run in and I realised of course while Andres was talking they're all relegation candidates so none of those run ins are going to look particularly um, fantastic I think the closest if anything, to a kind run-in that anyone's got. Arguably, all boys at home against Boca is much better than a time lab on one era where Boca remained mystifyingly 
difficult to beat, even though they're playing dreadfully most of the time. Although, as I say, lots of clean sheets recently, so who knows. Um, away to Newell's is certainly not as scary a prospect as it would have been a year ago, where they would have just got hammered, or even two months ago, where they also would have lost 4-0. Um, Newell's have started hiccuping a little bit. And then at home to Belgrano... Belgrano haven't convinced me too much this season so far. They're safe, of course. They, they've done enough in the last couple of weeks to ensure that they won't be relegated at the end of this season. Good grief, Peter. <laughs> Excuse my neighbours. Keep your neighbours under control, <laughs> please. Um, to, to ensure that they won't be relegated at the end of the season. But they're still not very convincing, particularly... Uh, well, either home or away. They're just drawing something like three-quarters of their matches at the moment. So all boys might have a relatively kind run-in, as long as they can fix on the actual opposition and their form rather than the name of the club in, particularly in Bocca's case and to a certain extent in Newell's um, but the others I think Kilmes the, the next two matches the one this weekend um, and the, the weekend after that are about as kind as you can get Racing okay it's an away game but it's against Racing and anything can happen it's Racing yes. they have an infinite capacity to shoot themselves in the feet um, without meaning any Barabraba references there um, and then as I mentioned already at home to Argentinos is probably the easiest uh, fixture that you're going to get in the Primera División at the moment the last two admittedly are rather trickier yeah, I think, <laughs> home team Nassi and then away to River I think those last two fixtures put Kilmes you think those are going to be enough to, to relegate Kilmes yeah I think that'll I think that'll put Kilmes down and I think I think all boys have left themselves too much to do because I think if, mm. if they lose this weekend against Lanús, which is fairly which, probable, which is Lanús exactly, the team. yeah. So, and then suppose also that okay, Godoy Cruz are, are playing Estudiantes, which is by no means no. Um, Personally, Mystic Sam's going to go for a draw in that one. So okay. we're looking at the Ole calculator, by the way. So we're actually going to plug but, these. But, uh, okay, some put, of these put them in as a draw, though, and then they need. Um, they're six points behind them with three games to play. No, exactly. I mean, that's a bit of an ask to get out of, to get out of there. Yes, I'd, I'd actually agree there. But uh, I, I suppose that their other hope is going to be that Olimpo completely collapse in the last four matches. Because, um, of course, Olimpo are dividing by, by far fewer games, so they could potentially still plummet. Yeah, and Olimpo um, have a pretty horrible run in. Given their current form... I think it's unlikely. That, I, I think the, the home Godoy Cruz are awful. What else are they playing? Olimpo are away to Godoy Cruz. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a likely defeat, um, probably. No, they're not. Sorry, Olimpo are at home to Godoy Cruz. That's in fact a likely victory because Godoy Cruz are awful away from home, um, in my opinion. But away to Rosario Central. Exactly. Away to Central and away to some extent to Colón. You wonder, which is part of the reason that. That they're such a dangerous opponent for River this weekend in the title race, of course. Um, but by the look of it, I'm thinking we appear to have two of the, of the bottom three sorted in that case, don't we? Really, it's going to be Argentinos and All Boys. They're both looked out. I mean, Argentinos, as I say, are going to be relegated this weekend. But that's almost certain. Um, like I think I said last week, I think those two are actually gone. But, I, but I'm, I'm now beginning to think that we, 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 see, we can see our three. They're there already. You think Kilmes as well? Yeah. So you're agreeing with Carissa Lombardi? As much as... I, I would never put it in those words, but 
just so, because of Kilmes's last two fixtures, I think. So I think it's unbelievable that what happens. But it's tricky. Three. It's tricky because Kilmes, if Kilmes wins the first two matches, for example, they are obliging Godoy Cruz to win it also, right or not, or or is it not like that? If Kilmes because wins the next two, then because they divide different differently, they. Kilmes win their next two and then lose the final two, which is, I mean, they're, they're probably going to lose the final two at home, away to Gimnasia followed by home to to River. Sorry, at home to Gimnasia followed by away to River, but they're probably going to lose. Um, then they would be forcing Godoy Cruz. No, Fat would not have to win the last ones. Um, they'd be okay losing to one the, the reason why I think Godoy Cruz is going to be okay. One. Godoy Cruz having a, a pretty good season as the fact that we've just discussed the title running. They have home games against Velez, who are on an awful run. They're still involved in Libertadores, so could potentially be a home game against Velez, who don't really give a shit, and a home game against Racing. Who, sorry, no, yeah, sorry, no, right. So I just think there's two, I think there'll be two wins at least from Velez's. From Godoy Cruz's four games. Well, I've, I've just plugged in the, the results, and the Ole thing updates the relegation standings um, accordingly. And what we've got is that if Kilmes were to beat Racing away this weekend, which I don't think is a bygone conclusion, but it could happen, a foregone conclusion, sorry, it could happen. Um, if they then beat Argentinos Juniors at home the weekend afterwards, which is probably going to happen because Argentinos are very poor indeed. They could afford to lose, uh, sorry, and then lose to Ignacia and lose to River in the last two games, which, as we mentioned already, almost certainly was going to happen, assuming those two teams don't have a major uh, cold chest moment in the title runner. Um, then Godoy Cruz would only need, if, if Godoy Cruz only drew two and lost two of their remaining four games, those two teams would finish dead level on the relegation average and would have to play a two legged playoff. Uh, no, hang on. Is it one leg or two legs now? It's, it's two legs, isn't it? To decide. Yes, I think. Um, a, a tiebreaker to decide who goes down and who stays up. Um, yeah, so if Godoy Cruz go into that last game, knowing that a point would be enough to rescue them from automatic relegation and put them into the tiebreaker at home to Racing. Racing aren't very good. Godoy Cruz's home record is actually quite decent, even though they're disastrously bad away. Um, I think you're possibly right, Peter. Purely because of those last two fixtures for Kilmes being absolutely horrible, as much as anything. Well, and uh, yeah, just because I think Beloit Cruz are going to pick up two wins out of those four, and mm. then it means Kil- <laughs> Kilmes are going to have to make up considerable amount of ground. Yeah, sorry, we, we should mention as well the hypothesis that I uh, that I just uh, came up on involved um, Godoy Cruz losing at home to Vélez Sarsfield, who could not care less about the league. If Godoy Cruz get a draw at home to Belez Southfield, as well as drawing against uh, Racing at home on the last day and getting a draw against Estudiantes this weekend, not that I want to give too much of a sneak preview as to Mystic Sam's thinking, um, then they're safe. So basically three points. Um, three points for Godoy Cruz from these last few matches will force Kilmes to claim at least two wins and one draw in order to relegate Godoy Cruz, basically. Assuming that all boys in Argentina are already Can you see Godoy Cruz getting less than three points from four matches? Given that one of those four matches is at home to Bellis Sarsfield, 
No. Yeah. Because it sounds really bizarre to be saying it, but no, exactly. it's Sarsfield, especially uh, away from home, particularly having to go all the way to Mendoza. It uh, just feels like well, a Well, particularly seeing however this goes in the Libertadores, if they're, if they're still involved, then definitely a trip to Mendoza at the tail end of the season where they have mm. nothing to play for, they're safe from relegation, they have a good average. And we have the example, yeah, right. yeah. The, the, very, the a fresh example, which is last match against Rafaela, a, a key match in Mendoza, and they won it 3 0, mm. with some doubts about the, the offsides or something like in, in some of the goals. But uh, the, the, uh, the final result was 3 0 in a match very, which could have been tricky, and in, in, in this case, it was easily, easily decided by, by, by Gode Cruz. Now, let's go, Rafaela would have to lose all four of their remaining games, by the way, to um, to be forced into a relegation playoff if Kilmer's get the results that we've just predicted for them. So the teams above them are probably okay. Anyway, the um, oh no, right, Libertadores very, very, very quickly. Uh, Libertadores roundup. We've had a two-one victory for San for Lanús over Santos Laguna last weekend, last week, which we mentioned on the last episode of Hand Pod. In the meantime. Uh, the only Libertadores match that's been played since then was Bolivar's 1-1 draw against Leon of Mexico. Um, Bolivar of Bolivia, of course, which I've also mentioned already because they're through. The Bolivians are through to the quarterfinal. At the moment, Nacional de Paraguay and Vélez Sarsfield are drawing 0-0 in Asunción, 36 and a half minutes into that one. This is the first leg of the round of 16. Later on this evening, at 10 o'clock, um, we have San Lorenzo versus Gremio which is why Mariano's not recording with us at the moment, because he's going to that one, of course. Um, also tonight... No, I think that's the only Argentine one tonight, isn't it? And then Arsenal de Sarandí uh, versus Unión Española, as we mentioned already, is on Thursday at 9.15 Argentine time. As well as the second leg of the Lanús tie, which, as Andres mentions, is kicks off at 10 past midnight tonight. So by the time this hand of pod goes live... Um, San Lorenzo v. Gremio first leg will have been played and Santos Laguna versus Lanús will have been decided we will know um, unfortunately by the time you hear this uh, this podcast will be started so San Lorenzo Beres and Arsenal will have to wait until next week or yes exactly on those one, well in fact the second legs are in yes. two weeks time I think oh no you're right sorry the Lanús are playing their midweek game against Kilmer uh, Tigre next week because the other Libertadores teams are in action um, so depending on, on when we manage to record next week we may or may not be able to review, but we will be able to tell you at least a week late uh, whether Santos Laguna have put Lanús out or whether Lanús have put Santos Laguna out. Here's Mystic Sam's theme music. No, not Mystic Sam. What am I talking about? Here's some more theme music and then we'll answer some questions very quickly. questions we've had a few we're going to whip through them quite quickly uh, because Andres in a few minutes time has got to get off out to his birthday party he's not celebrating with us very disappointing um, Darren Paul asks what is the thinking behind Veron's knee tape I've wondered since his United days I saw him play once he is a magical witch or a magical little witch um, I think the same thinking is behind any other fairly elderly midfields 
midfielders and he take, isn't it? Well, I'm guessing from the from the question. Wondered it since his United days. He's wondering. <laughs> he's always yeah. Did he have knee problems when he was younger? And the rest, well, okay, you know, you're the Argentine. No, I think that the problems came when he, when he was a older, not in, when he was young. I think that problems. Now he he uses it like a band in, the, in his knee. Yeah. Which is uh, uh, half aesthetic and half because of the uh, injury he he carries. But no, I don't remember him having. That uh, that injury when he was in the United in Manchester United, and, no, for me it's it's not like it's, it's not like that. Like it's that. possibly just to provide a bit of protection. I mean, it's notable that he wears that stuff, but that Riquelme, so who isn't known for having particularly healthy knees, doesn't appear to wear anything on them. Um, Vishal Amlani, I apologise if I've got the accent slightly wrong on that Vishal, but. Um, it says, you have to get Jonathan Wilson more often on the show. The latest episode was awesome. We're glad you enjoyed it, but unfortunately, unless John moves to Buenos Aires, um, he's going to remain coming on the pod about as often as he currently does. And I think we can all agree that we don't particularly want him to move here because he'd take all of our work. Um, no offence, John, if you're listening. Uh, Darren Paul asks, is Pac-Man really a term in Argentine football? Um Seba replied to this one on Twitter and said, yes, but it's very 1990s. One commentator started calling defensive midfielders Pac-Man and it's stuck. Um, and I then replied to it, and I shall tell you my reply now, which was that I know it's an Argentine uh, phrase, but that I've never actually heard an Argentine use it. I've heard Australia down and English down use it. And that, that was how I came across it. I first came here in 2003, and I think they'd already stopped using it by that point. Andres? Yes, clearly it's not in, in use anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps because there is no any any defensive midfielder with those those features that, uh, of course, uh, the name says Pacman, which because it's like someone who eats the the, the, the rival's legs. But uh, one of one. I guess the Argentine midfielders in that position now are expected to be a little bit more all round, aren't they? They're expected to be more creative, number five. Far more yes. often than not, right? Yes. Yes. I think that someone who would deserve that the nickname nickname of Pac-Man would be perhaps Marcier from San Lorenzo, which mm. plays he's good with the ball, plays plays good, but apart from that, he, Mar- he, he leaves most of that stuff to Antigosa yes. and uh, yes, yeah. Um, Igor Stanislav asks: Is Alejandro Silva at Lanús any good? Is playing at Lanús good preparation for the World Cup? And is he the best Uruguayan Silva at Lanús? According to the Olé uh, match ratings, he was absolutely awful against Arsenal at the weekend, but I'm not going to hold that against him for one game. I quite like him. He hasn't, hasn't been playing so, so often, perhaps the last two matches or three? I'm yeah, not... I have the feeling he's quite young. He's only about 20, isn't he? Apologies for the very loud typing noise that our listeners have just put up with. Uh, let me see. He's the right back, right? Yeah. Well, and the one who had been playing before him was Araujo. And he's 24, he's a bit older than I thought. Uh, according to his Wikipedia, he is a two-footed player with the ability to defend, run with the ball, set up goals and score as well. Um, so, according to Wikipedia... Um, he's, he's, got got, he's, he's fantastic 
whether he actually is or not is another point. He is playing for an Argentine um, team with the number three on his back and yet normally plays at right back, which is something that I'm not going to hold against him personally, but I'm certainly going to hold against whoever's in charge of giving out the team numbers at Lanús because it's not right for a right back to wear number three. Actually, it's not right in the English system either, so I don't know why I'm making the point that he's playing for an Argentine team with it. Uh, he should be a number four in Argentina. I, I, feel, in England, I feel like he's playing because of the enormous amount of matches that Lanús has because Araujo has been doing well in that position yeah. that that let Silva play perhaps more matches than would have been would have played if Lanús would be playing the Copa Libertadores I think yeah absolutely um, in terms of is he the most is he the best Silva the second part of the question oh no definitely not no Santiago's better Obviously, they're different teams, yeah. they're different roles, but no, Santiago's a better player, I think he's, he's older as well. Um, my answer is going to be slightly less enthusiastic now that I've discovered that he's 24 years old. I thought he was younger than that, so he's perhaps not as promising as I thought. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fairly good. As for is it good preparation for the World Cup, he's uh, the reason that Igor's asking that is that he does have two Uruguay caps and they've both come since last year. Uh, well, sorry, since the beginning of last year. Um, So there's, a, I suppose, a fairly good chance that he'll be called up to the squad. Uh, well, yes and no. Uruguay have to make do with what they can have, really, in terms of players with foreign experience. Of course, the, 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 the strikers uh, need no introduction uh, to anybody in their front three. But elsewhere in the squad, it's much more a matter of... Sorry, Pizzi, I've been confused. Uh, Edison Cavani, Luis Suarez and Diego Fallout. No, I was going to say... Um, <laughs> Then um, Uruguay have a right, a very good right back as it is. Maxi Pereira. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they do exactly. I would have thought that Silva's very much going to play second fiddle to him. Thank right. you for reminding me. Yeah. Um, this is why, of course, Silva's only got two. Well, it's one of the reasons that Silva's only got two caps. Uh, is it good preparation for the World Cup? There are going to be players at the World Cup, believe it or not, who play in far worse leagues than the Argentine Primera. Um, there are going to be Uruguayan players in the World Cup probably who play in worse leagues than the Argentine Primera because at least a few will play in, in Uruguay or well, in Paraguay I would perhaps. have thought for a backup right back playing in the Primera and the Libertadores is, is pretty good preparation we have a resultado del primer tiempo by the way which in, uh, is translated literally as a result of the first half But in English would be a half time oh, score. About, uh, it's nil nil in Paraguay between yes. Nacional and Vélez. Sorry, Andres Gómez. No, sorry. Uh, about, yeah, I was just remembering names of some right uh, uh, for, for, uh, forgotten uh, right backs from Uruguay. For example, Diogo, who used to play for River, then went to Zaragoza, and well, then we lost him. And also Pintos, the one who was playing for San Lorenzo. Not so a lot of time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so well, you have there two right backs, which in 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 the moment were, well, I think that 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 had called had been called up for for the national Uruguayan team. Mm -hmm. um, Liam Kelly, no relation, as I say every week, uh, asks where should River strengthen in the transfer market? Which positions and how will injuries to Teo Gutierrez and Eder Alvarez Balanta affect their title hopes? To take the second question first, uh, Teo is, I believe, still doubtful. I've not read the reports today, but certainly yesterday, 
Um, he was a doubt to play this weekend, but should be back in time for the match after that. Valanta's going to miss two games um, and then ought to be back. Given well, Valanta's clearly the, the bigger uh, miss. River have got uh, Kikovi Shalva. Matthias Lanzini and Fernando Cavanaghi, I would think, will be the attacking trident for them this weekend, so that's by no means a weak one. Um, more of the issue, of course, at White to Olimpo is going to be the defence, and they've got Ramiro Funes Mori, who's going to be coming in, and remarkably, it might be the first time ever that Funes Mori is going to be applauded by River Plate fans. And yes, I did say by River Plate fans. I, I think that if he was. Whether away to Olimpo, the poker slay. There are going to be there are going to be River fans present. Have you read about this? N- neutral. Yes, yes. The, the Olympo president is going to be opening up the away stand for neutral fans, but in announcing that he was doing so, he said that uh, there are lots of River fans in Bahia Blanca, <laughs> and the, the income will do us good. So there are going to be 3,000 River Plate fans who are not going to be allowed to wear River Plate shirts or wave River Plate flags or chant but River Plate songs, but we'll be doing so anyway. But at the same time, he said that he will open the, the, the stadium for, for neutral supporters and that in, there are a lot of support, River Plate supporters in Bahia Blanca. He, at the same time, said that River will try to get a, a draw. Mm. To the, the, like the, the, the attitude of, of the team will Well, be. given their away form, <laughs> yes. I think they'd be happy with the draw. And especially given that Olimpo, as I mentioned, have lost a couple at home, but are generally quite strong um, in home matches. Uh, which is why I say that Balanta's loss is arguably going to be greater, but Ramiro Funes Mori, having scored the winner in the Super Classico, of course, has become a cult hero at River Plate now. First winner in a Super Classico for River in La Bombonera in 10 years. Um, it had to be him and not his brother, really, didn't it? Uh, um, but he's been in good form otherwise. He's, he's, when, when he's been called on, he's been much, very much second fiddle to either one of the two centre-backs or also to the left-back um, for River when any of those have been injured or suspended this season he's played and he's done a good job Yes, in fact I, I remember saying when uh, Ra- uh, when Rodrigo Funev Mori was, was still at River that uh, Ramiro looked like the more talented Rogelio Rogelio sorry yes. quite right that's how good he was I've forgotten his name um, that, that Ramiro looked like the more talented of the two twins it's, it's well Ramiro achieved something with, which Rogelio haven't, which is scoring goal against Boca. So. Precisely. Um, how do they affect the title hopes? I think possibly less than they're being dressed up as, given that Teo's likely to be only out for one match, if he's out at all. Um, it would be more worrying, of course, if both of them were out for the rest of the season, then you'd be starting to think, oh, they could wobble here a bit. But as we've already mentioned, they River have a relatively kind title running. And finally, Howard asks, a bit of an odd one, I don't think it's odd at all, Howard, I think this is my favourite question that we've been asked. What is your favourite Argentine league team shirt of all time? Not necessarily the team you support, just the one that you think looks the nicest. Of all time? Of all time. I'm going to go with any one, any team at all. Maybe I'll edge towards River since I support them. Those 1950s where they actually had a shirt that they had to button up <laughs> with just no badge, no no sponsor logo, no manufacturer's logo, just a button-up shirt with the red sash in the case of River or the stripes in the case of the stripe teams and so on. It's beautiful. Yes. Yes, that's something. I think that we could perfectly... Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. We need more of them. 
please. Uh, Howard himself is nominating a river shirt as well, uh, the 96 to 98 uh, home shirt, which I think is the Kilmes sponsor one. He's, he's sent a picture of it and I'm it is the Kilmes sponsor one, yeah, with the little wrist patches. Perhaps to link these, this answer or question with the last question about River's transfer uh, dealings. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, you're right, we didn't ask that question. Did we? Well, yeah, but well, just, just, just to link back to that, uh, I saw Pablo Aymar has had his contract terminated in Malaysia. And it has. It is, yeah, either he's terminated it or it's been terminated. Yeah, it's absolutely conflicting. But, uh, yeah. He wasn't getting on with it, basically, and uh, yeah. the chances of him now signing for River have increased. Um, where do you think River need to strengthen, Andres? Sorry? Where do you think, which positions do you think River need to strengthen this summer? I think centre-back, well, if given, given that Balanta's going. And I perhaps mean, there's not been anything solid about Balanta going, but they'd be, if they get a decent bid for it, which they surely go into, they'd be foolish to turn it down given the club's economic situation. And centre midfield, perhaps if if Lesma, who is doing good, it retires. Oh, you're because, right. He's 36 or something, yes. isn't he? Yeah. Um, so a pack man. Yes. <laughs> yes, because Poncio Cranimito has stepped up nicely, but yeah, you're right. Poncio is almost out, and, and we will we will have to see what happens with Sirigliano, which. Uh, Someone from Elias Verona is, is is or was in the country trying to negotiate, negotiate uh, uh, the the buy of, of yeah. his the transference. The, the, uh, but he they wanted to cheaper the, the, the price. So we don't know if if uh, the, the real play directives or the board members doesn't uh, uh, come to an agreement with Elias Verona. Perhaps Sergio we we don't have to discard him being in the in their staff yeah I'd, I'd be almost surprised if Poncio doesn't end up being replaced long term <laughs> well long term in Argentina of course now no longer exists but if Poncio doesn't be, end up being replaced uh, by Kranavita, um I think he's an ideal replacement but of course they, they could do with someone to break up the play as well uh, for matches where they're, where they're going to need more of that Augusto Solari no, I, I think a lot of replacements for River Partly given the economic situation and also partly given the fact that their youth system has finally started kicking in again. And this was something we should mention, to, perhaps to his credit, that actually did begin to happen under Passarella after a lot of years of stagnation under Aguilar's presidency. Um, River Plate's youth system has started to churn out promising players again, as it always used to before. They had the most famous, possibly in South America, but certainly in Argentina. Um, so to an extent... Augusto Solari could be um, could be a, a good bet to, to come into the team next season. He's played a couple of times in the Donnell final yes. quite well. So, uh, and, and more, um, more seriously, I, I, I will take that, uh, what you said, more seriously if, if Carbonero is also uh, sold or, or what, leaves River, because uh, in that case, well, Augusto Solari will, take, take, uh, will replace him perfectly, even though he had also replaced Mercado in the right back and he did the also well so mm. sorry I'm yes. swallowing some for that when you finished talking there Andres hence the silence um, I also um, read uh, Martin Dimacelis speaking this week <laughs> about uh, his want to return to River. Right, on the one hand, <laughs> on the one hand, having seen him in the English league this season and having seen him in the Spanish league for a couple of seasons before that, he's clearly over the hill, he's past it, he's not got it anymore, he should just retire now. 
on the other everyone said exactly the same thing about Gabriel Haynes saying before he came back here and suddenly he looks like a world beater again and Newell's are probably wishing he wasn't going to retire after the after the uh, Copa Libertadores campaign this year ends which he has done already sorry so after the Tornel final yeah. um, this season ends so Demi Chavis we'll see he could be a decent short term stopgap if Balanta goes given the level that the Argentine league is at at the moment anyway um here is Mystic Sam's theme music. I'm going to read his predictions very quickly because Andres has got to go pretty much now, so don't go away. Mystic Sam's predictions for this weekend have been written up without knowing whether various players are going to be suspended because the players who were suspended for red cards the weekend just gone may or may not be given one or two match suspensions and that will be decided late on Thursday night by the Argentine Football Association. We do love you, Mr. Grandona. Anyway, Newell's Old Boys versus Tigre on Friday. It's the only game on Friday and I think that Tigre, given their tight defence, can dig in and get a draw. Vélez Southfield versus Rosario Central is an away victory. Central are in decent form and Venice, as we've mentioned many times during this podcast, aren't paying any attention to the league. Belgrano versus San Lorenzo, I think, is a home win. San Lorenzo are going to be between legs of their Copa Libertadores tie. Racing versus Quilmes, draw. Racing really ought to win, but they're Racing, so I don't think they're manager. Atletico de Rafaela versus Colón de Santa Fe, I think, is going to be a Colón victory. Argentinos Juniors versus Ignacio La Plata. You've already listened to the first hour and a bit of this podcast, so you already know what I'm predicting for that one. Away win. Olimpo versus River Plate, I think, is a draw. Those results would send Ignacio two points clear at the top, of course, with nine to go for, if they happen. Lanús versus All Boys. Lanús win. I know Lanús haven't yet played their Copa Libertadores second leg, but as I say, it doesn't seem to affect them at home. Boca Juniors versus Arsenal de Sarandí, I think is a draw, but don't bet on anything because it's still too early to find out to see what, what's uh, happened with Martín Palermo and whether he's really going to have an effect on Arsenal medium term. Estudiantes versus Godoy Cruz is a draw as well. Estudiantes are drawing basically all of their games. That's it. Anybody have any particular agreements or disagreements with any of those predictions? No, of course not. Andres is not. I say no, no. I agree, I agree. Andres has got to go now, and so have we. I think really, I've got to try and get home to see most of the second half of this, as long as my flatmate's not nicked the telly while I've been out. So it's uh, goodbye and happy birthday again to Andres. Thank you very much. Uh, goodbye to and from Peter. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Come back next week. Goodbye.